Hola, hola. It's your girl, Erica from America. Welcome to the Confidence Chronicles podcast. This podcast is all about helping you stand in who you are. Stop giving a fuck what people think about you. Start standing as your fully expressed self. As you are, queen, as is, there is no filter needed. You are fucking awesome. And I am here to remind you. I'm a confidence coach, a business mentor, a speaker, an author, and I am obsessed with women standing up, showing up, and creating their confidence. And I cannot wait to dig into today's episode with you. Hello, my love. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy right now before we even start today's episode, which is a juicy one. Okay, let me go ahead and tell you that it is a very juicy episode and one that I've been chatting with a few women about. So this is a request. So shout out to y'all who are requesting episodes and doing Q&As on Spotify. I love you. Thank you so much. So at the time of recording this, we are moving into my new house and it has been so crazy because I don't know if I've said it before on the podcast, but I never wanted to buy a house. Like I never had the need to own a home. I never wanted the security. I always felt like I wanted to just live multiple places. My Gemini manifesting generatorness was like, I'm going to be all over the world. I'm going to have places everywhere. I'm not going to live in one place. And it's quite crazy when I, you know, my, my husband and he owned a property and was like, we should buy property. I was like, boring. That's so boring. And obviously you have kids, you learn a few things and you realize that it's actually incredible to be able to own your own home that is yours, your piece of land, your piece of property that you can work on, that you can have as an investment. And so in Australia, when I first moved here and my husband and I were talking about buying homes. He's like, yeah, you have to save 10%. I'm like, 10%. Okay. So how much is that? Like $100,000 plus. I'm like, excuse me, the fuck? I never knew anybody who saved $100,000. I'm like, um, what? Like that to me, I don't know. As an American person on food stamps where I grew up, I was like, I know nobody. $100,000. If I told my mother that amount of money, she'd be like, oh my God, Erica, you're rich. That's like a million dollars. That's what she would think. She would think that I was a fucking millionaire. Because $100,000 sounds like a lot of money from where I grew up and where I was from. And it is, right? Like, so I was like, there's no way I'm buying a home. Like, how the fuck do you save 100K? Like 100 Gs. Anyway, fast forward and your girl uh, last year bought a damn house. So we bought a seven figure house. I can't believe it. Can't believe that I wanted to. I can't believe that I did it. I talked about it already on the podcast. It was a really big deal for me. And right now, we are moving into that house. So not only did we buy it and spent all that cash on the deposit, but then took some more cash and renovated the house. That's another thing that nobody prepares you for. Holy shit, that's a big job. Like we did the kitchen, we did the floors, we did the bathrooms, we did the laundry, like basically renovated the whole damn house. And that was not cheap. And it was a big job. My husband has managed it really well. So he kind of was like, I'm gonna take the house, you take the business. And we kind of went like, high five, split, let's go. And we work really well together. He's doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. We're supporting each other and obviously looking after the kids. But yeah, it's that journey is about to come to an end and we're about to move into this house. And it's wild. Let's talk about today's episode. Ooh, what a title, Controlling Relationships. 
I was chatting with a woman this week and this just came up. This is one of those intuitive podcasts, by the way. This topic came up and a part of my story that I realized I'd never shared with you. And I share a lot of my story in the open book, literally. I'm not trying to hide anything. I actually want more people to know about it because I want you to feel seen and heard and understood. And more so, I want you to know what's possible. There's possibility in your pain. There's possibility in your story. There's so much inspiration that comes when we hear other people who have lived things and have overcome things. And I'm one of those people that like, oh, if you could do it, I'm doing it. Let's fucking go. I love examples. So I was sharing my story of control. and. When I was 23 years old and Gio passed away, my first husband, the year before that, I got into a really bad car accident. I broke my back. Everything's in the book, chapter two of the book, if you have it. If you don't have it, go and get that book. Confidence feels like shit. Put a link in the show notes. And there's an audio book as well, by the way, if you want to listen to the audio on Audible or on my website. Anyway, so I share in the book, I broke my back. We were drinking and driving. I was in the back seat, no seatbelt, broke my back, ejected out of the vehicle. It was horrible. I was in the hospital for 30 days, was permanently attached to a morphine pump, had to learn how to walk on my own, left the hospital with a little walker and it was horrible. So anyway, I remember getting out of the hospital and it was like a little second chance. I thought, I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm going to do my thing. I was in the military and I really wanted to be an actress. And I still do, by the way. Okay, so like this is a dream that I have paused until the time feels right for me to pursue. But I really love acting. I love performance. I love comedy. I love all that shit. Which if you've been listening to the podcast, you probably already know. So anyway, I was like, what can I do? And in Florida, I was living very close to Miami. I was near Orlando and there was modeling. So I had a friend who was like, we can do modeling. We can do, you know, music videos. You can do calendars. Now, mind you, I'm in the fucking military during the day. And on the weekends, I was doing bikini modeling and shows. And I did heaps of Spanish, like reggaeton uh, videos. Awesome. It was so much fun. I did covers of magazines. I did spreads of magazines. I did bikini shows in Daytona Beach. It was awesome. So I had this whole thing on Google, maybe like eight pages when you Google Erica Yvette, which is like my modeling name, which is my first name and middle name. Heaps of pages like me in a G-string, just (laughs) half naked on the Internet. No shame in my game. That was so fun. And I loved taking photos at that time. I moved to Australia for this man that I met in Las Vegas. And this was when I was trying to run away from my life. And I met this man and he was a Greek dude. And in America, if you're Greek, you're American. If you're Italian, you're American, right? Like it's not like in Australia, if you're Greek, you're very like culture is big. It's Italy is like you're coming from Italy, you know? And I didn't know this as an American. I'm like, oh, whatever. They're just Australian people. And I got with this guy and he met me in America. He met me in Miami and was like, cool, that's cute. You're doing your videos and you're doing your photo shoots. And then when you're done with that, like, and you move to Australia, you're not going to do that anymore. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. Like that was a red flag that I just tried to bypass. Okay, yeah, whatever. Came to Australia. I had a tattoo on my ass and on my left ring finger. (laughs) That was a drunken night in Miami with Lil Wayne's tattoo artist. (laughs) Ay, 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 Erica. Okay, so I was dating this other guy from back in the day, and I got a C tattooed on the inside of my left ring finger. A C was for Chepe. (laughs) Shout out to Chepe if you're listening to this episode. Jose, he was like one of my first boyfriends before Gio. Little boyfriend, nothing, no big deal. Caught up with him again, ended up getting a tattoo. I was drunk in Miami. That relationship didn't work out, whatever, moved to Australia. And when Gio passed away, my husband, I got his signature on my butt cheek, on my right butt cheek. I don't know why. I never wanted any tattoos. I don't have any tattoos. And I wanted that. So I got that on my bum. 
And this guy that I was dating in Australia was like, cool, welcome to Australia. Basically, I need you to remove those tattoos. Uh, I will pay for it, of course, financial control. And I need you to like not do any more modeling or anything like that. We're not doing that. So you're not wearing those things anymore. We're not doing that. And again, I was in such a painful place when I came to Australia. My husband had died. I was numbing out for two, three years with alcohol. I was a, a shell of a person. I just believed that I was a piece of shit. I didn't deserve anything. I felt broken. I felt damaged. So all those red flags that I ignored was because my worthiness was at bottom, 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 bottom rock, like the fucking bottom of the rock. And then again, the bottom of that rock. Like I had no self-worth. I didn't believe I was good enough. I had zero negative 25 million confidence. And so here I am like, yep, okay, I'll do whatever you say. You have money. You're different. You live in Australia. You have an accent. You're clearly wealthy and educated. And I'm this piece of shit chick from the hood who's got a fucked up life. That's what I thought about myself. That makes me so sad that I thought that about myself. Oh, Erica. Anyway, so that was happening. So I'm in this tattoo removal place, laser removal. They're getting my tattoos off, you know, like it's faint and faint. And it was pretty crazy because the memory of Gio, my first husband, started to faint away as that tattoo was leaving. I was thinking about him less. I was pushing that story away less and, you know, really forgetting about what happened. And so <laughs> I meet him, figure out he's an asshole, thankfully, and broke up with him. But then I meet another man. And I talked about these guys on my podcast before. Oh, God, this man was lovely. He seemed really lovely. He wasn't like mean like the other guy. However, had the same fucking problem, controlling as hell, which I didn't know at the time. I didn't know what controlling was. This guy was like Lebanese. And this is not a dig at Greek and Lebanese people. They are the best people in the world. I freaking love me, my Lebanese people, and my best friends in the world are Greek. I think I'm half Greek. And Greek is the most, uh, in Australia, the culture that I feel is the most closest to Puerto Rico is the Greek community. So shout out Agapi Mu to my Greeks out there. Um, so this guy was, you know, my second boyfriend in Australia. But I didn't know about the mothers in these cultures. Okay, these European cultures, the mothers don't play. So this man was like mama's boy and mom had a lot of control. And obviously he had a fear of God, of his parents, lived at home with his parents, was over 30, had businesses, but still lived at home, which I thought was really weird. Being like an independent woman who moved out of my house when I was like 17 to join the army, moved to across the country, moved across the world. So I was like, okay, that's cool. He has a lot of family support, maybe. Okay. So he's living at home. And he said to me, again, a red flag I missed. Okay. He said to me, so when you meet my family, just don't tell them that your dad left when you were young. Just like say your mom and dad are still together. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, don't tell him you're like from a broken home. I'm like, a broken home? Like, I'd never heard that term broken home before. So I'm like, oh, I'm from a broken home. And he doesn't want me to tell them, oh my God, it's my fault. Okay, cool. So I'm shameful. I'm bad. I'm not good enough. There was a thing with the church. So he went to church as well. And we need to get married in a church. Are you Catholic? I think they were Catholic or Christian of some kind. And at the time, I wasn't heavily involved in any kind of church or religion. So go to church start going to church, start going to Bible study, started wearing cardigans, <laughs> got really long hair extensions, polo jackets and polo shirts. And no digs at y'all. If you wear polo jackets and cardigans, that's cool. But that was not my vibe. I was like red lipstick, hula hoops on my ears. You know, I was that kind of person. So I started shifting who I was. I started dressing in a way that was more like this princess, you know, like you have to look this way. You talk like this. His mother said to me once, oh, red lipstick. No, no, no. It doesn't suit you. Don't, don't wear red lipstick. And I was like, 
okay. I think that's a bit insulting, but cool. Red lipstick doesn't suit me. They don't like red lipstick. They had to meet my mom. And oh my God, my mom. I'm like, mom, every five minutes, I'm telling my mother off. I'm like, shut up. Don't do this. I'm kicking her under the table, like really shaming my mom for who she was being, like her big personality, her boldness. Just the whole relationship was condemning. It was like condemnation. And I remember this guy said to me, I'm going to take you to one of the, there was like family weddings and some of his mates were getting married. And I just said mates, like it was no big deal. Did you hear me say mate? Did you hear that? Anyway, some of his friends were getting married. Oh my God, I've been in Australia so long. And they were like having these beautiful weddings. And I would be like, oh, are we going to his wedding? And he'd be like, yeah, I can't bring you to the wedding. And when you clean up your past, then I'll bring you. That's what he would say to me. And so when you Googled me, I had all these photos and he was scared that his friends, his mates, would Google my name and find out about my past, find out that I had tattoos, find out that I had, you know, a broken family, that my husband died. Like, nobody knew this information. Like, now people can Google Erica Kramer, Erica Yvette, Erica Sepulveda, all my names, and everything comes up. But back then, I didn't have a personality. I wasn't anybody. And so I found it so interesting that he thought that they would Google me, and he was ashamed of what was on Google. So what I did I feel so bad for me at those days. I lived in Sydney at the time. This guy was from Melbourne. What I did was stayed up till 2 a.m., got on my laptop, and I would email photographers in Miami and be like, hey, I need you to take this down. This is a copyright issue. I never said you could put this photo up. I never signed a form. And just emailed and emailed and went back and forth fighting with these photographers, fighting with these people, fighting with these websites that just had heaps of my photos up. And I spent hours, I mean, two hours a night. I wasn't sleeping. I was so stressed out. My nervous system was shot because I was just like, delete, delete my past, delete who I am. I'm so dirty. I'm fucked up. Every article then when I came, when I lived in Australia, this Black Men's Magazine article came out and I was like on a two-page spread with my ass in the air. Damn good photo, okay? Damn good photo in Miami Beach. But that was a hot mess because then I'm like trying to bury shit. More shit's coming up. It was horrible. It was the worst time for me because there was this carrot dangling in front of me that said, when you clean up your past, when you are not so shameful and dirty, when you keep deleting those tattoos and getting laser, when you keep deleting those photos, when you basically delete who the fuck you are and who you've been, then you are worthy enough to come to my family wedding. You are worthy enough to come to the family barbecue. Then we can get married. Then you will be clean for me. I'm like, what the fuck was I? Th- I, I couldn't even sneeze. In the book, chapter four, uh, FWOT, I talk about how I held my sneezes in. Because the sneeze, I'd be like, like my sneeze is next level. Like next level loud. My mother's sneeze is 10 times my sneeze. My little son, who is five years old, he's got our sneeze. And he'd be sneezing. I'm like, go, Nava, fucking sneeze that sneeze. I'm like, go. <laughs> like people get scared. I'm like, fuck those people. Go sneeze your sneeze. I was holding my sneezes in in that relationship, like busting my eye damn vessels. That shit is going like 90 miles per hour. And I'm like, <clears throat> like not sneezing so that. <laughs> what the fuck? Not wearing red lipstick, having some damn cardigans and hair extensions and a flipped fringe. Like, I don't know who I was trying to be. But I was really in trauma. I was really trying to delete who I was. I was really shameful of my past. Even the things I couldn't prevent, like my dad leaving when I was a baby and not being with my mom. Like that was then my issue as well. 
I didn't realize that all of this was a form of control. And there are many forms of control. There are, you can't wear that. You can't say that. You can't be who you are. Financial control, power over you. There are so many different ways that this plays out, not only in intimate relationships, friendships, partnerships in business, you know, like at work control. These relationships that feel like they are trying to control everything that we do, whether it is subtle, little tiny red flags, whether it is suggestive or whether it is hardcore, like delete your past or you can't come to a wedding. Basically, we can't get married if you're being a dirty bitch, which is what you are right now. Like that whole time I allowed, not only did I allow, I attracted people into my life to prove to me that I thought I was a piece of shit. They're like, let me show you how you think that. And then allowed their ways of their toxic behavior to stay. I allowed that. I welcomed it. I moved it into my house. I made their opinions greater than what I thought I believed was right. I sat there and tried to delete my past. I I went to a reputation website to try to get this guy to clean my Google. You can't get shit off the internet. Now when you Google this, like only one page. I like eight. My husband was like, I'm so sad you did that. Those photos were beautiful. All that was amazing. That's a part of who you are. Fuck, why would you? I stopped stopped doing the laser on my tattoo. The one, the left finger is gone. And plus I have my wedding ring on, so I can't see shit anyway. But the one on my bum, it's very faded. But Hamish, my husband was like, do not take that off. I don't care that that's there. I'm happy that's there. That's a part of your life. I accept you for all that you are. Not only do I accept you, I celebrate you. You are fucking amazing. I'm so lucky that I have you as a husband. I'm in this relationship and everything I did was not enough. No matter what I did, it wasn't enough. I had no control with the first relationship when I moved to Sydney. He was paying me, so I was working in his business. So that's a cross line. That's a bit hectic. I'm working in his business. I was making him so much money because I knew about building a beautiful salon. I knew about people and culture. My background had been in people and culture and staff and leadership because I was in the military for 10 years. And then I had this training from this amazing franchise in America. So I brought all these skills to Australia. We killed it in his salon. His salon was in the middle of the damn hood, like in the middle of the Australian ghetto in Melbourne, uh, sorry, in Sydney. Like not a pop in place. It wasn't in a pop in place. And we were killing it financially so much so that the head office was like, the fuck are y'all doing out there? How, like, what is happening? And it was all the culture training. It was the team. It was the KPIs we were setting, like goals and amazing culture we built. And then I left. And it was so crazy because when I was working for him, I was probably working 70 hours a week and I was getting paid like $600 a week or some shit, like nothing. I was getting paid nothing. I had to pay part of the rent, part of the food. I got some shitty ass 1981 Volkswagen, like little convertible. I named her Beverly because she was beige and she looked like her name would have been Beverly if she was a person. (laughs) And that shit broke down. I don't know how many times on the freeway just fucking smoking. But here I am. I'm making all this money for his business. I am leading the team. I'm working my ass off. I'm getting paid fucking peanuts. And then I'm having to pay and split bills and do shit like that. Right. And then on the weekends, what happens? I get left at home and he goes out partying in the city in Sydney with his friends. And does God knows what? And I'm here. It was just not good. Like, I wouldn't say like financially abusive, but it was a verbally abusive relationship. It was an abuse of power. It was a condemnation relationship. And then to only get into another relationship like that, like another relationship like that, like wild to me to think that I allowed that kind of behavior on both relationships. 
And I'm sharing this with you because when I spoke to this woman, it's almost like the cost of these controlling and condemning relationships was I had no self-worth. I would have never left those relationships. I literally got pushed to such an edge. I was so unhappy. And the second one, I wouldn't have left. He broke up with me on my birthday. That's the only reason why I left. And I had been seeing my personal trainer for fitness and he became my friend and then later on became my husband. But I wouldn't have left that second relationship if he wouldn't have broken up with me. It's like the universe had to pull him out of my way because I was so believing that I was a piece of shit. I was believing that I needed to be treated badly. I was believing that I must have done something to deserve this. So I'm sharing this with you because I want you to pay attention to relationships that feel like there is a power dynamic, power over you, where you don't have a say, where you don't feel like you are in power, where you feel like you're being controlled, where you feel like the narrative, the gaslighting, there was so much of that in that relationship, the narcissistic behavior on their behalf. And we blame like narcissist culture and narc and these people. But you know what? I allowed that shit. I attracted those men into my life and I let them stay knowing that it didn't feel good. If I want to be honest, because I thought that's what I deserved. I thought that's all I'm going to get because I felt broken at the time. I had my trauma and all my shit that I had not worked on. When you work on yourself, when you know who the fuck you are and you start believing in you and you value who you are, you will never put up with that. So if you're putting up with that right now, it is a sign that you need to work on yourself. If there is financial abuse going on where you don't know where the money goes, you don't know how to access it, you don't know if something happens to your partner, how the fuck you're going to pay the rent or the bills or the mortgage. If you have zero financial control or there's a lot of anger when you try to ask for that, that is a red flag, my friend. And I want you to look at that. Only if you want to be fulfilled and happy and full of joy and content and be in control of your own life. Only if you want that. It is worth looking at. And we can sit up in here and make excuses for people left, right, and center. These men were lovely men, by the way. Like, I don't want to knock them as people. Bless them. Beautiful men. Great people, I'm sure. But there was some shit going on for them that wasn't acceptable. The behavior was not acceptable. It's not a way that you would... I mean, I have two boys. I would never want my children to be in a relationship like that or to be men to a partner in a relationship like that. Absolutely horrible. If I thought about myself as a daughter, which I am, my mother would be crushed to know that that's what I was dealing with and that's what I was living with and that I put up with that because I thought that I deserved that. There is so much more for you. And sometimes we don't believe it because we haven't done our own work. We don't believe it because we get caught up in the lie that you're not good enough. That's all you get. That's all you deserve. You don't need to know how to do this. You're here for this reason and that's it. That's all you're worth. And we believe this. We stay in jobs we hate that don't pay us enough money. We stay in relationships or friendships with friends, air quotes, that are not great friends. There are people that do not deserve any more of your time or your energy. And look, it's not easy to walk away. I did it twice. I was caught up for like two years in these terrible relationships. That's a long time. So if this is you right now, I just want you to feel seen and feel heard. And also the nudge, the gentle invitation for you to look at the red flags. Look at the stuff that was important to you. Look at your values. What do you value? What do you need in a relationship? What are you allowing to go on even though you're not okay with that? And why are you allowing that? What part of you? What is it inside of you that's saying that's okay even though you feel like it's not? Where can you go for some support so that you can start to unravel and unpack why you're allowing that for yourself?
what you're putting out there that's saying, yep, this is okay, especially if you're not happy and you want to change it. And it's very hard when you, maybe this is a friend of yours and it's not you. It's very hard when you have a friend that's in that who doesn't see it. I didn't see it. All my friends, yo, shout out to my friends, Nancy, to Ashley, yo, shout out. (laughs) Shout out to all y'all in America who tried to tell me that that man was no good, my mother. And I'm like, whatever. I was just, I was not listening. So even if you're a friend and you're trying to tell someone, if they're not ready to hear it, they will not hear it. They will not hear it. It's so unfortunate that we need to experience these things But this is a real thing. Financial abuse right now. There are women in their 70s. Their husbands are going to pass away. They have no idea how to pay the electricity. They have no idea where the money is. They have no idea. Like, they just don't know. And I'm like, I refuse. If you can prevent that, which you can, with information, with getting knowledge, with getting self-confidence, self-belief, asking questions, ending relationships that don't serve you if you need to. We have to take back the control if we're wanting to get some alignment and feel happy and joyful in the life that we are living. And so... For me, the biggest thing that supported me and helped me was hitting a rock bottom. So when I got broken up with, I was like, fuck, man. I looked in the mirror and I was like, it's you with you, baby. It's always been you. I've looked in the mirror and I've seen myself time and time again. How the fuck did we get here? And I just went, okay, I hear you. I see you. Let's go. What do we need to do? And it was then that the work was introduced to me, doing the work on myself, unpacking this and that. And all my shit for my husband came up and all my sexual abuse came up and all my All my shit, my lifetime of shit came up because of that relationship. So horrible that it happened, but how good that that happened so that I could open up all of that Pandora's box, work with that and become who I am now today. And now in my relationship, it's fucking incredible. I am so blessed to have the amazing husband that I have, the best friend that I have, the business partner that I have, the amazing father that he is, the dear friend and support system that he is and zero condemning me, everything that I am as I am. Is it, it's not only accepted, it is fucking celebrated and you should be celebrated as well. And so this is for you. If you feel any inkling, any red flag, I did a podcast. It's called the single lady series. Watch them red flags. And there's another single lady series. Even if you're not single, I got a lot of married women that listen and they're like, fuck, they got married a red flag. And I'm like, cool. It's not too late. It's not too late to work on the relationship. It's not too late to work on yourself. It's not too late to say, I'm not happy. I'm not okay with this. This is not going to work for me anymore. How can we change something if we won't head on look at it? How can we tell someone to stop doing something or start doing something if we do not have the courage to have that conversation? Hamish and I are doing power couples again and obsessed. It's the best work we get to do. Power couples and retreats are where we flourish so much. And I cannot tell you how important one of the core things that we believe in, that we teach, that we live is that communication. That beautiful communication where you can genuinely speak to someone and say what you need, respect each other, connect on that level. That's the number one thing that gets in the way when it comes to relationships. If you're interested in that, I'm going to pop a link in the show notes. Join us for one of those in the future. It is so freaking good, especially if you're wanting to build an incredible relationship with someone and become a power couple. And I'll tell you what, power couples aren't created as couples. You are a powerful individual with another powerful individual and together you become a power couple. That's how we do it. But if we are living in incongruencies, if we are in this controlling relationship where we feel below, beneath the other person, or maybe you're the one that's controlling the other person and you have them under your thumb, that's not fun. That's not sexy. That's not equal. That's going to be really hard for you to build a beautiful relationship if you're calling all the shots and running the show and you have them under your thumb. Nobody wants to feel like that. 
It is really something super important that you want to look at and you want to work on because each and every one of us deserve to have beautiful relationships with people that we love, who support us and guide us and we feel safe with. Number fucking one. So I wanted to share that story with you. I spoke to this woman and she's like, man, I didn't know that about your life. I'm like, yeah, it was horrible. The worst part about it with the second guy in Melbourne trying to delete these photos he was more hardcore about that. He was like, you can't meet my family. You can't do this. So I was in there trying to delete the photos. And I was on an iMac, an old school iMac. It was a white iMac. And if you remember those bricks, it was like a fucking brick. And I was on that white old school iMac. And I was so frustrated one night. It was like 2.30 in the morning. I was crying. I was in my bed and I'm like, oh, fuck, why did I do these photos? Why did I ever do modeling? How stupid am I? I can't believe I did this. I fucked my whole life up. I felt so shameful and so bad in that moment. And I went to delete the whole library and it deleted the iPhoto program from my computer. And I had emptied the bin and every photo I've ever had in my whole life was in that laptop. That laptop was from 2007 when Gio passed away. I got that laptop. I put every photo I had into the iMovie folder. There was no iCloud bullshit back then, 2007. I think the iPhone had just like started to come out. I learned how to unlock an iPhone when I had my bunion surgery. I was in the military at the time. Every fucking photo I've ever had, like, I can't even think about it too much because I'll start crying right now. Like, I haven't even processed the fact that I lost every photo. It's like when there's a fire and everything's burned and you're like, fuck, it is so traumatic. Like, you're never getting that back ever. And that happened because I was in such anxiety and condemnation about how fucked up I was and how dirty and piece of shit I was. And I wasn't clean enough for this man. And my life was so fucked and I was a piece of shit. And I fucking deleted every photo ever of my dog, of my mom, of me as a baby, of Geo. Like, oh, every photo, it makes me like so sad. That is the fucking power of when you feel like you are fully controlled, like you have no say, like you are just a squashed ant. And I fucking deleted it. I was just in shock. I almost was like, I can't process this. I can't do this. So I did that, let that go, moved on with this relationship and just realized like time and time again, I was in high anxiety. I had like knots in my stomach. I felt like I was lying all the time. He wanted to know every person I slept with, how many men I slept with, who I did what with, who was who, what was that, like who I'm talking to, broke into my Gmail. I mean, really full on shit. And I couldn't see any of that. I believed what he was saying about me. And that's the part that I take responsibility for. I believe that. I thought, yeah, you're right. So I'm fucked up. You know, I'm this piece of shit from America and Australia is this rich country and you guys have this beautiful accent and you have money and you have business. And it was always like they're better than you and you're under them. And so I never shared that story. And it was quite interesting because when we were talking about it, that came up and I, and I realized that when I was writing my book, I shared the sneeze story. I shared how I couldn't sneeze. I shared how I tried to contort myself and twist myself into many ways until finally it was never good enough. But I hadn't shared that part. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but I think that when you're in a controlling relationship, you don't see what's actually happening and you have to get out of the fishbowl and walk out and start to look at your life and see who you're being and see how you're feeling. And it, and it was really that moment of like, holy shit. You know, I remember I went to his family and I said, I'm going to meet with his mom and his sister and they're going to get it. 
And I decided on my own to call a meeting and go, hey, I love your son. I think I want to marry him. I want to be with him, but he's lied to you about me. And I want to tell you all about who I really am. And I was very proud of myself. And I would do that shit again because that's my integrity. I sat there with them at this pancake fucking shop and just poured my soul. This is who I am. This is what happened to me. My trauma, my abuse, my husband died. I did have tattoos. They're barely gone. I I just shared everything. And they acted like, wow, thank you so much for telling me. And that night they went and told him and told his dad and his dad fucking lost it at me. I was like, how dare you betray my son? If he didn't want us to know, how could you do that? And I'm like, whoa, this is like another level of fucked. Even I was like, yo, I can't like, this is some fucking shit right here. All that had happened. And I was like, really? Like, I'm coming to you with some truth and you would rather your son lie, but me not betray his lie. It was wild. I'd never experienced anything like that. And I think shortly after he broke up with me and I'll tell you what, thank you. Thank you. Dodged a bullet because my husband is fucking amazing. (laughs) But that's the power. You get so deep into this hole that you don't even know the fuck you are. You don't even know what's acceptable anymore. So I have an inkling that this podcast is landing for someone out there who may be in a relationship or a friendship or a family relationship dynamic, a work power struggle. And I just want you to know that you get to take the rain back. You get to take your power back. And the minute that you realize that is the minute that everything fucking changes in your life for the better. I love you so much. Thank you so much for listening, for hearing my story, for being here. Uh, I would love, 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 love if you're listening on Spotify, pop them questions in the Q&A. There's a beautiful way we can communicate now in this beautiful community of Confidence Chronicles podcast. I love you. Have the best week and I will see you next week, my love. Thank you so much for listening. I freaking love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for your ears and your energy and your attention. Thank you for letting me into your world. And thank you so much for listening and tuning in to this podcast. There are so many podcasts you can listen to. And I deeply, deeply, for real, for real, appreciate you listening to mine. Do me one big favor, one big thing. Please share this episode or this podcast with a woman who you know needs to hear this. This is my mission on planet Earth to serve as many women as possible so that we could show up, stand up, speak up, and create the confidence and the life that we desire. I appreciate you, my love. I will see you on the next episode. 